0: Hey, welcome back to the Encounter Mercy podcast. I'm your host, Vince Dragone, and I have with me Father Andy Boyd. Hey. How's it going, Andy?
1: Doing pretty good. I have to say, Vince, you mixed a great drink tonight.
0: Yeah, this is, uh, I made an old-fashioned, but it's not just any old-fashioned. Instead of running, instead of using simple syrup, what I used is is maple syrup.
1: Um, Good old Pennsylvania maple syrup. Good old Pennsylvania,
0: local maple syrup. Um, this is
1: really good. I'm going to have to do this from now on when I do... Uh...
0: This is all I do anymore. I ran out of simple syrup one time and I was like, what am I going to use? I hate using granulated sugar because it it never mixes in for me. So I was like, oh, I have I have sugar in the form of maple syrup. So that's what I ended up using and now that's all I ever go for because it's truly amazing. So today we're going to talk about Mary. And uh, I know... Um, Mary uh, is in the lives of a lot of us. Um, I know she holds a special place in my heart, and I'm sure uh, she does yours is too, Andy. Um, but I think we just kind of want to cover um, who is Mary, what did she do that's so important, and why do Catholics hold her in such regard? Um, so I want to first start out with um, you know the parish that you. Are the uh... yeah one of
1: the three that I that I work with and and the one that I specifically work uh, live at is dedicated to our Lady specifically in the title of Saint Mary of grace um, or another way you can look at it is Our Lady of Grace uh, I talked with the pastor when they were trying to figure out the name for it um, because it was originally it is an Italian parish and everything was written in Italian. And so, going through the books when they were trying to um, figure out just exactly uh, what to do when it, because the idea is it should have probably been Our Lady of Grace, okay. But the original books for the baptismal record is listed as um, Santa Maria, Saint Mary. I see. Instead of because it should have said as a good Italian parish would have uh, La Madonna. de De Grazia, so the Madonna, the Mother of Grace, Our Lady of Grace, something to that effect. So they found Santa Maria instead of uh, um, Santa Madonna, you know, our Holy Mother. So that's why it's Saint Mary of Grace, but still it's under her uh, patronage. And that parish, in fact, um, the bells ring, and when the bells ring, they ring Marian hymns all year round for the most part, uh, minus a few of the seasons like Lent and Advent and Christmas. but. I try to have it play Marian hymns because, as you said, we as Catholics hold Mary in such high regard.
0: Okay, so who is Mary?
1: Mary. That's a very good question because there's a lot of people who will say that she's a nobody, she's not important, and we as good Christians would know that she is important. Let's put it this way. You have a biological mother, yes? I do. And for eight to nine months or so, maybe even a little longer, a little less, but she carried you in her womb. She did. And so that is an important thing because without her, you would not be here. Now, of course, your father is an important part of it too, but Mary is, of course, the mother of God, the mother of Jesus. And so the important thing about Mary is that she carried Christ in her womb. She carried Jesus in her womb and uh, gave birth to Jesus. And so we hold her in high regard for the fact that she carried Christ. And there's so much that we could talk about in that fact. You know, the fact that she was, as we believe, was the Immaculate Conception. So what does that mean? Well, the fact that she had to have been born without original sin. And how does that happen? Well, there's a whole conversation right there. Uh, Or the fact uh, that She carried Christ in her womb. Well, how was she impregnated? Well, you know, we say with the protection and the descent of the Holy Spirit upon her, she was able to conceive. But the most important thing that we can understand about Mary is that she is the mother of God. She is the bearer of God. And your favorite word?
0: Theotokos.
1: Yes. right. Theotokos. Theotokos, which means... Greek, which is Greek for God-bear.
0: God-bear, yes.
1: First time I ever heard that was when I went to the Byzantine Catholic Church in Erie for Mass, because I didn't know what a Theotokos was. This was still in college seminary. They didn't teach us everything about theology yet. So coming to an understanding of Theotokos, that she is the God-bearer, and um, in the Byzantine Church, in the Greek Church, which is a part of the Catholic Church as well, it they hold her in such a high regard that some of her feast days will take precedence over Sundays, which is extremely important to know uh, because we have both of the Eastern and Western lungs of the church and they play off of each other. So we have adopted this word Theotokos from the Greek part of our church.
0: Um, Speaking about the, the mother of God point, and, I, and, and this is something I want to get into a little bit uh, deeper in, in later part of this podcast, are some of the objections um, to to why Catholics hold Mary in such high regard. And one of the things that I've heard before is that Mary isn't the mother of God. She's the mother of the human part of Jesus. And, you know, the, the way I see it was, you know, these are— you, like when, And Tim Staples does a really good job at, at talking about this in, in the book, Behold Your Mother, which <clears throat> I recommend very highly. Uh, but he talks about when a man and a wife uh, have a child, they are not the source of the child's immortal soul. God is the source of all life and directly creates that individual soul. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, we do not conclude from that that, um, that the mother is merely the mother of the body of the child. Right. Instead, we say that the mother is the whole person. The mother... Is she is the mother of the whole person, yes. the composite human, yes. the composite person, and not just the body, and then God provided the soul. Right. So the way the, you know the way I look at it is, you know that's because of that she is the mother of God.
1: That's right. That's right. And that's not just the way that you would look at it. That's the way that we as Catholics look at it in general. And um, the big thing I would say with that is. Like you said, she is the mother of the whole person, the whole person, but she had to agree to it. As we say, her fiat, her, may it be done to me according to your word, her fiat. And without the permission, God would not have been able to do that. Because remember, we have free will. So, you know, basics of our uh, understanding of a human person, you and I each have free will. Every human being has free will. What does that mean? Well, that means we can choose whether we are going to follow God or go away from his will. Everything that we do is either following his path for our lives or going away from his path for our lives. There are little things here and there, but the basic is that. And so when it comes to our free will, God will not force himself on us ever, ever, because he loves us so much, he will never force himself upon us. And so as a human being, Mary had an option, just like we all do. Mary had an option. And when she was presented with the option for Christ, she said yes, because she recognized that God had made her special, had chosen her for a special purpose. And he was he had set her aside, set her apart, because as it says, when the angel Gabriel came to her, uh, it's she says, who am I? Who am I that the Lord would come to me? It's not, oh, look at me, how perfect and wonderful I am. No, no, no. Who am I? Her humble, her humility, her just her understanding of that she is truly the handmaid of God, chosen specifically for a specific, for this specific task. But she had to say yes. She had to say yes.
0: So what would happen if she did not say yes?
1: That's a good question, and there's a lot of things that we could think about. At some point in time, God's plan for humanity, God's plan for this earth, would still follow through. And the thing to understand with that is that no matter what, God's, God would have done what he wanted. How? Well, we don't have to worry about trying to think of what, how that would have happened, because it didn't. Right. And we can just take that on faith and trust that no matter what, God had a plan a great saying and a very important saying is the earth was not created. The church was not created for the earth or the world or the people that inhabit it, but rather the people were created for the church, that the church had always been there and always will be there. And what do we mean by church? What rather the grouping of entities, both angels and humans to worship, praise and adore God for all eternity. And so, uh, we were created to worship God. That is our whole purpose. And Mary in a very special way has been chosen to worship God and adore God and praise God in a special way. And so being that she is the mother of God, being that she is the mother of Christ, we hold her in a high regard because of the fact that she carried Christ, that God chose her from all of uh, time and creation to be without sin so that she could be a perfect host for the the for God. Because God would not want to put himself, who is perfect, who is holy, who is wonderful, who is without spot of sin or stain of, of any kind, into something that was unholy. Right? Just like us. We don't receive communion mm-hmm. when we are unholy because that That can't be possible. That would hurt us. That would hurt us immensely. God only can enter into that which is holy. And so to enter into Mary and make the baby inside of Mary holy, the host had to be holy. And so we have Mary. That's That's one of the major reasons why we hold her in such high regard because she carried him and she herself was holy and chosen in God's eyes.
0: So Mary's, yes, helped bring salvation to the whole world uh, and for all future generations. Um, Sometimes you see, well, the Catholic Church views Mary as the new Eve. Would you like to go into that at all?
1: So we can talk about Adam and Eve. And so Adam and Eve are the first parents of all human creation. And when it comes to their choice against god they chose in their humanity in their free will to go against god was there anything wrong with that tree in the garden of eden the one that god said don't touch was there anything wrong with it no no absolutely nothing wrong with it there was absolutely nothing wrong with it nothing would have killed them except for the fact that god said don't don't do touch it touch it that's right don't do it you love your kids. If you tell them don't do this, you expect them to listen to you. Even you know it's not going to really hurt them. The sugar, the candy that they ate right before dinner, it's not going to hurt them, but it's not also going to help them. And right. so God said, don't do it. Because you see, God wants to give that to us as a gift. He wants to give that to us as a gift. But they did—they went against, Adam and Eve went against God in uh, his saying of don't do this. Mary, as the new Eve Followed God's plan by saying, Do unto me as you wish, O Lord. So she took that no of Eve and turned it into something new and allowed for the yes of her fiat, her do to me as you wish, turning that into a new encounter with God.
0: So, one thing that I find actually kind of beautiful is, you know, Eve received her human nature from Adam through the rib mm-hmm. and uh the new adam which jesus received his human nature from the second eve mary and just when you reflect upon that i just find it so i uh, don't just beautiful and mesmerizing and just so holy i just you know that's something i can just reflect on for a very long time
1: yes yeah absolutely and so it, it shows the interconnectedness between man and woman That we are important for each other, that we are separate, that we are different, but that difference isn't bad. Yeah. That we are created to be one with each other, but we cannot be one by ourselves. We have to have that other. And so when in the understanding of marriage, you have that connection there.
0: So I kind of want to get into some of the objections to Mary. Um, one of them I hear a lot of Protestants will say is, this is nothing but idolatry. Um, <clears throat> you know, I have... Uh, I completely disagree with that, and I'm sure a lot of people do as well. Um, I think there's a little bit of confusion um, when it when it comes to what the, the Protestants believe by, Absolutely. you know, just looking at the, the Bible alone. Um, you know, that, that kind of creates uh, some problems. However, if you look at the Bible, you see... You know a lot of the reasons why we love Mary so much, uh, within within the Bible, and you know one of the things that really stands out to me is when Jesus was on the cross, he said to his mother, "Woman, behold your son," referring to John. Mm-hmm. Then he says to John, "Behold your mother." Um, I think the way we can look at that is Mary becoming John's mother as Mary becoming the mother of all Christians. And then in Revelations, John tells us, uh, the woman who gave birth to Jesus also gives birth to all those who keep the commandments of God and bear testimony to Jesus. That's very powerful. I find that very powerful. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, a lot of our Protestant brothers and um, sisters—not all of them, though, because you have the Anglicans, for instance, not the uh, Episcopalians, but the Anglicans, especially High Anglican Church— they will pray to mary and hold her in high regard as well but if you ask any good anglican person they'll tell you that they're catholic and what they don't mean by that is that they're followers of uh, underneath the holy father but that they are catholic in the understanding of universal and that they truly would be a part of our universal church so when it comes to the understanding of mary for a lot of protestants is that they see us with our statues Mm -hmm. and um they'll see not just statues of mary but they'll see see statues of saints uh you know in my house there's a statue of mary there's a statue of uh padre pio there's a statue a lot of different statues statue of our lady of grace statue of the sacred heart there's i just tons of them all over the place and of course they would say well that's idolatry you're worshiping those statues no when you see a holy image And it points you back to christ it points you back to the reality and so we remind ourselves through these holy images that we aren't worshiping the statues and we aren't worshiping the the people that are represented by the statues but rather we are asking them for their intercession for instance i asked you to pray for me and if even whether you say yes or no that is me asking you to pray for me to god yes when we talk to the saints that's what prayer is is a conversation. If we're talking to the saints, we're asking them who are the closest thing to God outside of God himself to pray for us. And so if we're having a conversation with the Saints and saying Saint Anthony, Saint Teresa, Saint, Mother uh, Teresa of Calcutta, you know, you have all these different saints that we could be asking for prayers for. they are deemed by the church to be in heaven with God. And so if they're in heaven with God, what a better person to pray for us than someone right there next to him.
0: Right. It's a, to, to bring it to completely secular, um, try to explain it that way, um, imagine that you are trying to get in touch with someone who's famous, who you have no contact with, and millions of people are trying to get their attention, but you know someone who's a friend with them. Exactly. wouldn't you want to use that as, as a way to, to meet this person or have them do something for you um, or to, to hear your thoughts? Absolutely. You, it, you know, it's something that just kind of came to me as you were saying that.
1: It's uh, our way of being able to talk with God and to ask other people to talk to him for us. Yes. And, you know, there's this story about Mary and I wish I could tell you which saint said it, but there was a priest um, who is a saint in our church who died and went to heaven and as he's in heaven he's before the heavenly throne of god and um jesus and the father and the holy spirit are planning on condemning this priest to hell condemning his soul to hell and mary goes before god and says let me have him i'll fix him and save him and now we don't we know that eternal salvation is given to us by the death of christ but it's through her intercession she pleaded on his behalf on this dead priest's behalf to save his soul and that's exactly what the saints can do for us yeah and that's exactly what mary does for us as she goes before the heavenly throne and God, who loves her so very much because of the fact that she carried, her, or she carried him in her womb and that she participated in his grand plan for human salvation, he loves her so very much, he will listen to her. He will listen to her because God listens to each and every one of us. His plan isn't changed by our persuasion, but rather out of mercy and love, He listens to us, and he allows us to enter into a greater understanding of him through that listening. And so Mary, who is that person who goes before God to intercede for us, what a better person to ask for her protection and her help.
0: Right. She's a mediator. She points us to Jesus. You know, Paul commands all Christians to be intercessors and mediators, um, even though we know that Christ is the, the one mediator um
1: and most likely at this time when paul was writing this mary was right there with him yeah because she wasn't she hadn't uh ascended into heaven yet and however we want to talk about that you know there's the idea of the dormition of mary which is the greek version of it <clears throat> or you have uh the um that mary fell asleep and was taken to heaven she mm-hmm. never died you know the understanding is that she never died and her body was assumed into heaven Yeah, the assumption of the blessed virgin so Another that's that's going to be another episode. Another I think it's a wonderful gonna, image about could, her whole assumption yes. and, and the understanding of it because the Eastern Church has a different understanding of it from the West Church.
0: Do they? I had no idea. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. The Dormition of Mary. So, okay. I mean, it's a beautiful image of what happened when Mary died. So, Paul was most likely still alive when all this was going on because the Gospels were written after the letters. The letters are the. Uh, in the New Testament are the oldest things that are, have been written. So we believe, we would have to believe then that when Paul was writing his letters, most likely Mary was still alive for some of them, not for all of them, but for some of them. So he would have had known Mary. Yeah. So he would have been able to say that she was an intercessor to her son on behalf of the people.
0: As a, and she's a co-redemptrix
1: She participates in the redemption Uh, because of her yes. She cooperated with God's grace. She said yes to all of what uh, God has commanded of her. She pondered it in her heart. She never questioned God verbally, but she always pondered it in her heart. She took these things to prayer to discuss with God. And then finally, her last words, as we hear in scripture, are do whatever he tells you. And that is the servants, to the servants. So at the wedding feast at Cana, Mm -hmm. my favorite story in scripture.
0: I think a lot of people just read this and they're like, okay, so, okay, it's Jesus's first miracle. Nothing really crazy happened here. But when you really look into it, and I'll I'll let you explain it. There's there's so much more to this than I think what a lot of people kind of, most people when they just read over it, think of.
1: Two years ago, I had the opportunity to travel to the Holy Land and visit um, Cana. In Galilee, and we got to see the jugs, and a little spoiler to all of our friends who are listening to this now, but will be hopefully with us next spring in 2020, I'll be traveling again to the Holy Land with my mother and uh, a group from St. Vincent Seminary, and I will again be able to go and see this with her, Um, but it was amazing because these jugs that were filled, so let's start back at the beginning of the story, they're at this wedding, and um, Mary goes to Jesus and she says they're out of wine. Well, that's a, that's a big faux pas in the Jewish community because weddings were week or two or three week long events. That's right. And if they ran out of wine, that would mean that their whole family would be shunned by the rest of the community. And Mary goes to Jesus at the beginning of maybe the first end of the first week or so and says they ran out of wine. And Jesus says, so what? What does this have to do?
0: And I love how Jesus always calls her woman. Yeah. And that really comes, not to interrupt, but But to kind of circle back to Adam and Eve. Yes. Eve was originally called woman Woman. before her name was Eve, before we learned that her name was Eve. And so this kind of just coincides with the whole uh, new Eve. Yes. And so I'm sorry to interrupt. No, no, but but that's
1: important because he says woman. Woman. Now and as you would also know that in our society today, if you just go up to your mother and say woman. Oh no. Oh no 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 no. no, no. It's mom, mother, you know, or even by their first name. Mama. Mum, mum, mummy. <laughs> um but you know, you would never just go to your mother and say, Woman, no. But we're imposing our United States, American views of language on another culture at another time. We can't do that because that was a sign of respect. You would call her woman, um, recognizing that she is, in fact, not a man and a woman. And that's that's important to the Jewish people. So not only to the Jewish people, but I think it should be important to all of us for that I matter. I think this is
0: going to be a good future podcast episode. Is I've always heard from especially Protestants and away Catholics— that Catholicism is only about men.
1: Which is so wrong.
0: Right. And so I just want to tell our listeners, just to hold us accountable, yeah. I want to have a whole episode on women Absolutely. and how important they are in the life of the church. And I
1: think and I have a life wonderful of- guest for us to bring in on that topic. Fantastic. Okay, I'll let you continue. But, yes, yeah, so Jesus says, Woman, what does that have to do with me? Jesus doesn't get any response back from Mary. Now, if think about this. Not just the fact of woman, get get over that, you know, get, listeners, get over that. Get over your uh, darn self and just pretend that that doesn't really matter because it doesn't. But you're talking to your mom. If I were to say, Peggy or mom, what does that have to do with me? What does that matter to me? She doesn't say a word. She just turns around and talks to the servants. There's no interaction there between Jesus and Mary. It's not a, listen, boy, you're going to do what I tell you. Because first off, Jesus can't sin. It's not a connection to of uh, Mary uh, just chiding him along. Oh, come along. Come on. Come on. No, no, no. She doesn't even consult him after that. She just goes to the servants and says, do whatever he tells you. And these jugs that Jesus then had filled were massive. They were the washing jugs. They would, uh, I'm bad with sizes, but it's it's just Massive. It's not a gallon. It's not two gallons. It's like something like a hundred some gallons of water. And you couldn't just carry it down to the, to the uh, well and get the water out. You had to take little jugs. And so they filled tons of jugs of water. And then Jesus says, take it to the uh, waiter. Take it to the head waiter. And the head waiter goes and talks to the bride and groom and says, normally you would save the cheap wine for the last wine given out because everybody's drunk. Everyone's drunk and doesn't care. That's right. We've all had those. At least I have. (laughs) That's right. Absolutely. But you have given out the best wine for last. What an important thing here. Because Mary, who is the mother of God, but not just the mother of God given to us as our mother too, looks not only to the servants, but looks to you and me looks to you and me through space and time and everything looks to each of us and says, do whatever he tells you.
0: And this is why this, this is so powerful. This is, this is why it's not something you should just read right over because I mean, every word in the Bible is important. And if you just reflect on it, sometimes you can understand its importance. Wherever you just, you just read it. It it doesn't sound like much. It just sounds like a wedding that, Hey, Hey Jesus, please just just do this. Yeah. It, it's not that. It's it's so it's much more than more. that.
1: Because it doesn't just end with that do whatever he tells you. It's the fact that Jesus does what his mother requests. Jesus follows through with what his mother requests. And through that request of Mary, it's not that Jesus was being disrespectful when he says, What does this have to do with me? It's the fact that Mary can intercede on our behalf. Yes. Sometimes without us even knowing. Yes. Sometimes without us even asking, she still goes to her son and says, help them, help him, help her. And it's, it's such an important aspect because a good mother would do that for any of her children, no matter who they were. Yeah. And it's the fact that she goes out of her way on a daily basis to intercede for us as a mother loves us. She wraps us in her mantle, the mantle. the um, In the old images of Mary, it's that head garment, the head garment that um, like the nuns would wear, except it'd be much longer, much more flowing. And so the image of Mary covering us with her mantle, no matter how much we try to get ourselves out of that, she won't let us go. She won't let us go because a mother loves her child so much. She doesn't want to let her baby go. And so she holds on to us like a mother holds on to a child. And so it's in that moment of the conversion of the water to the wine, that we recognize that Mary gets her way. Not because she knows that she's important, not because she is going to throw a tantrum or cause any problems, but because she loves so much. She loves like God. She loves like God because she has God within her in a very special way. And she being the Ark of the Covenant, the place where God rested, She now also is the first tabernacle that we have in each of our churches. And it's the other thing you can call the tabernacle is the Ark of the Covenant. It's what holds God. It's where God rests, rests his feet, rests his head with his people. And it's where God truly is present at all times. So
0: that sounds all well and good. However, what you often hear, and I know my wife, um, she's... Uh, a lot of the times, having to defend this, the Marian doctrines. She has a lot of Protestant friends. She's part of, um, she belongs to MOPS, which is I think Mothers of Preschoolers, which is a uh, Christian organization for for moms, and they get together and they, you know, they learn how to, you know, best practices for how to be a mom and how to be a, a good Christian. And I really wish there was a Catholic version of that. I can't find anything otherwise. You know, she would have joined something like that. So, you know, maybe we. Maybe someone could come up with something like that because it's it really is and nice. If it's
1: out there, you know, uh, let us know so yeah, that we can so we tell. can bring it
0: to Erie here or, yeah. or you know the the. Or if there is a
1: group in Erie. In fact, you know, you know, maybe uh, there's a few people that have come to my mind that we could talk to.
0: But anywho, she's always uh, defending our the church's teaching on that um, because even though a lot of people might say, yeah, you're right. I mean, she this she did all these amazing things, but at the end of the day, it's it's just Jesus. It's just Jesus. And there's, you know, we have to be very careful because we don't want to worship Mary. We don't want to worship the saints. We don't want to worship these things. And so this is one of the things where I find it, like, I'm very sad about it that our Protestant brothers and sisters, um, you know, they're, they're not able to understand the difference between, um, you know, worshiping God versus praying to—so, like, in Greek— I believe mm-hmm. this is Greek. If you have to correct me yeah. if I'm wrong, uh, there's there's three different definitions for the word worship, and it's latria, dulia, and hyperdulia.
1: Yes, that that is Greek. Yeah.
0: And so latria is worship that's for God alone, and that's like the strongest form of worship that you can you can have. And then we have dulia, which is the kind of worship, so to speak, of you know human beings and the saints. The hey, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to you know, pray to you to pray for me kind of thing. And then you have hyperdulia, which is more than dulia, but less than latria. Um, and that's where Mary falls in. And she falls there because she's, she's a finite being. She's not, she's not God. and no. We know that. Right. And we don't pretend that she is, nor no. do we mistake her for God. No. And like you said before, everything that we, you know, pray to Mary for, as well as, as we pray to the saints for, or we ask you to pray for us, is all pointing towards Jesus. Right. And I just wish that, you know, more people would kind of understand that. I just, I find uh, there's just so much missing that I think that a lot of people just don't realize that, yes, Jesus is wonderful and he's the source of our salvation. However, there, there's this whole family, so to speak, that is all worshiping him as well that we can be a part of. Yeah. And it it kind of breaks my heart that a lot of people don't even realize that they, you know, they have blinders on, they, they refuse to look at it.
1: Yeah. And it, I don't know. It just, it hurts. You know, it's, it's funny because, um, I was talking with a friend of mine that lives over in England and, uh, he was saying to me that he was talking to his dad about the fact that I'm a Catholic priest and his dad is a born again Christian. Okay. And he said to me, well, you know, I, uh, he was trying to, he was trying to say that you're a Christian, but I said, you were a Catholic. And I said, well, yeah, I I am a Christian. (laughs) There's still that misunderstanding, this misnomer that Catholics does automatically does not equal Christian. When in fact, we're the original Christians. We are, Mm -hmm. we are the ones that still follow Christ to a T. We follow all of his rules, all of his laws, all of his commands. We haven't dissented in any way. But there's still so many. Another wonderful topic for conversation someday is all of the heresies in the church surrounding Mary. There are so many crazy heresies and so many crazy things that people have said throughout history in our church about the relationship of Mary and God, or the relationship between uh, God and man, because everybody has free will, and the heresies start to emerge from misunderstandings, and that's where a lot of our Protestant brothers and sisters have a problem with us because they take a heresy on and they think that that's exactly what we believe when, right. in essence, that's the opposite of what we believe. And the
0: church has worked so hard throughout the—for 2,000 years yeah. to, you know, to, to mention these are heresies, we do not believe in these, and, and I think that's why we need the church so much is to keep us from going down these paths of, of heresy And that's what I love about the Catholic church is we are the original church and we are doing the same things that they did, you know, thousands of years ago. And it's that church that has guided us through and pointed us in the right direction so that we don't fall into heresy.
1: Right. Napoleon was confronted by a bishop because Napoleon was trying to get rid of the Catholic church. He was doing his best, trying his hardest. And... Napoleon, after speaking to his bishop, the bishop looked at him and said, your, your Eminence, for over a thousand years, the bishops have been trying to destroy the church. And if the bishops cannot destroy the church, you will have no chance of doing so. <laughs> and so that's so important because no matter what we do, um, if we truly follow Christ and his church— He's the one in charge. No bishops in charge of the church. It's right. it's all of us following the teachings of Christ, the the rulings of Christ. And so, as much as we might think that, uh oh, the world's ending, the church is coming to an end, the church is going to fail, the church isn't going to fail. The church will never fail. Church will never fail. And
0: and that's where, you know, I try to tell people who, you know, it, with the, um, you know, the recent sex abuse, sex abuse crisis. Yeah. You know, I, I try to tell people that. You know, the, the church has stood the test of time, and it will continue to do so. Jesus told us that, and and I truly believe it. Yes. It doesn't matter what any single man or multiple men do within the church. Sure. That doesn't yeah. matter. We've had some pretty evil popes out there. We've yeah. had some pretty evil priests and bishops and lay people, of course, and that's never going to stop the church from, from reaching its goal.
1: There's a lot of people— And we are digressing slightly, but I think this is important because Mary has such an important role in this because she is crying, Our Lady of Sorrows, she is crying for her people. She is suffering for her people because she doesn't want to see us hurt. She doesn't want to see us go through all of this. But yes, this is such a horrible topic because so many people had to suffer, but in the same breath... It's not going to be, as you said, it's not going to be something that will end us because there is so much potential. There's so much hope. There's so much joy that can come forth from this. We're going to get through as it's it. It's painful. Yes. We will get through this. We will get through this. And the best way we will get through this is through our prayers with Mary. And uh, I would always encourage people to say instead of saying prayers to Mary, we're saying prayers with Mary. Yeah. Because the prayers that we offer ourselves, Mary offers for us. Yes. Constantly. Without us even knowing, she is always praying for us. She is always praying with us. And she is always going to be with her church, protecting her church and her people.
0: So this kind of gets me into um, some questions that I would like to just bring up for the audience that I would like to ask you. is: Are we as Catholics required to pray to Mary? Do we have to do that? Like every day before, every night before bed, do I have to kneel? And after I say my prayers to Jesus, do I have to pray to Mary? You know, is that something that is for some people, but not for others? You know, what what is the church's teaching on that?
1: So what there are, there are specific things that we have to take on as uh, recognition. And, and the only things that you absolutely have to believe is what we profess on Sundays in church. And so Mary who is an important part of it. And one of the things that we have to accept is that uh, she was born without original sin, that she is the mother of God. Um, Those are certain things that we have to accept. But if you're asking, do you have to pray a rosary to get into heaven? No. And uh, a few years ago, I had a debate on Twitter. Uh, It wasn't even a few years ago. In fact, it was just about a year ago. I had a debate on Twitter because someone stated that they uh, if they were on the street preaching jesus preaching the catholic church they wouldn't be handing out rosaries and i had to agree with them i agreed with that person well there was a huge backlash of people saying that's wrong you should be telling people to pray the rosary mary gave all these promises that is a part of our faith but not as something that you have to take that you have to believe in because the rosary is private revelation now, I'm not saying we shouldn't pray the rosary. I'm not saying that we shouldn't uh, honor our mother in prayers that she has herself revealed to us, Right. but you don't have to pray your rosary every day to be able to go to heaven. The only thing you have to do to go to heaven is to follow Jesus Christ, to follow God's will in our lives. Nothing else we do is going to get us salvation. The only thing that it's going to do is bring us greater into the fold of Christ and understanding who he is, who he reveals himself to be throughout space and time. Nothing else we do will get us into heaven. Mary is important. That's why we're talking about her. Yeah. But it's not what gives us eternal salvation. And she understands that because she's never pointing to herself in her true revelations, in her true teachings. She never points back to herself. She always is, through her sufferings, through her love, through her maternal protection and guidance, she is always pointing back to Christ. Never to herself, never anything about how important she is, but to Christ. She always points back to Him.
0: I love it. I love it. So, you kind of answered my next question. Are we required to pray the rosary? No.
1: No. Really, we aren't required to do anything other than to worship God.
0: Yes. So... What are some of the benefits to the Rosary and before you answer that question, here's something I heard very recently that that I thought was I thought is very true and I, I kind of connected with it is if you pray the Rosary you'll you'll stop sinning for the most part if there's if there's a strong is there's just a sin a, a habit that you have that is a sin that you continue to do if you pray the Rosary on a daily basis, you're most likely going to stop sinning it's just one of those things where you just if you're doing it, you'll stop. If you don't pray the Rosary, you may as well continue to sin. It's very, very possible. But if, but if you if you set it as a devotion, and I and then this has really helped for me on some of those habits that that are sins, that are things that you know we should not be doing. As secular society may say it's perfectly fine, but as a Catholic, no, it's, it is absolutely not. And so I turn to Mary often in the in in the form of the Rosary. Now I don't do it every day. I find it very difficult to do it in my busy schedule, but I try to make time uh, when I can. And I try to pray the rosary. And I recently introduced it to my daughter who's three years old and she loves it. And uh, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I take her to school in the morning and, um, and we'll pray, uh, we'll pray the rosary on the way to school. And I think it's, you know, something that's a good connection for, uh, for her and I, but you know, I, I find myself, I feel like I'm in a, i am in I just feel like this, this peace coming over me whenever I pray the rosary. And, um, and I would love to make my own rosary, and I'm going to do that. <laughs> so, it's not hard. And when I make one, I'll share one with you, too. I have, oh, I have a couple ideas.
1: See. I'll show you mine later. Uh, um, but, yes, so that's important to re- realize that the more we pray, um, prayer is never going to hurt us. No. Never. In fact, if anything, it's, it's only going to help us. And it's not going to help us by... And I, I harp on this often because I want to try to reach our Protestant brothers and sisters. The more we pray doesn't mean the more like we are we are to go to heaven. But if we are to have a relationship with God, then we need to pray. We need to pray because that's a communication and keeping the lines open. So any prayer we do is never going to hurt us. Any true prayer that we do is never going to hurt us, but rather help us. So we should always keep that in mind when it comes to prayer. And the more that we pray, the more we come into connection with God and his will for our lives, the more likely we are truly to set aside anything that would separate us from him so that we can truly encounter him in a new and greater way. So absolutely, the rosary can help us to avoid sins, but uh, as well as any other of our um, prayers can help us. But Mary, especially going to her because she loves her children so much, she will do whatever she can to help them.
0: All right, so we're a little over forty-four minutes here. So I just kind of want to mention there are several famous Marian apparitions that I think we could easily cover in a whole episode. Oh yeah. So I don't want to. I'm kind of going to tease that. I guess we'll yeah. tease that for now. Uh, but you know, one, you know, Fatima, Lords, Guadalupe. There, I mean, there are so many of them. Um, so we'll we'll cover that in a future episode. Um,
1: we could be here for hours or days or weeks or months or years. You know, remember I took a class just called Maryology and the first thing out of the professor's mouth for the beginning of a semester long in-depth study of Mary is that after a semester of Mary, you will not know everything, nor will you ever be able to know everything. So this is just as important as our relationship with God that we continue to study, that we continue to investigate, that we continue to learn not only about our experience with God but our experience with our mother who points us as always as I've said over and over again tonight she always points us back to Christ
0: yes yes so I think that's a good place to end Andy
1: I agree and I think it means a little more of this yeah you didn't drink much no, I didn't drink. you much. were talking Talked you were talking a lot <laughs> next time you, next time, you're gonna next time I'll, I'll
0: talk a little bit more um so uh, make sure that you uh, like us on social media. We're across pretty much all the platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, YouTube. Um, if uh, we're not quite on YouTube by the chance, by the time you you um, hear this podcast, we will in the future. We promise we are working on it. Uh, Andy at his place has a rather good camera setup. I do not. And we are at my house right now. Um, we'll get you fixed up. I appreciate that. So, uh, also, submit your questions and feedback. We would love to hear what you think of this podcast, and we would love to hear uh, your ideas for future episodes that we would love to cover. Post some
1: questions, and we can even do some uh, listener feedback. Yeah. uh, Some question and answer time. That would be cool. Always loved in high school, uh, Corey Ferraro, if you're listening, who was my freshman theology teacher at Prep, he always did uh, Question Box Friday once a month, so... We can do something like that. I look forward to doing something like that or stump the father, stump now, the priest.
0: You know what? I'm. It's funny you say that. When I was in kindergarten, I went to uh, Assumption School in Bellevue near Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I remember on one of the very first weeks of school, as as a kindergartner, I was terrified to be at school, <laughs> and I did terrible in preschool. If you ask my mom, it was it was insane. The nuns actually thought that um, that uh, my mom was abusing me because I was, I had such a, you know, every time she left, I would just cry. Anyway, I remember my, one of my very first days in kindergarten, um, father comes in and he, you know, he played this game, stump the priest. And we'd always ask all these crazy questions that he would answer for us. So I would love, I mean, I would love to have an adult version of that. Like when it comes to, you know, theology and what we really believe in some of the really hard questions, um, I would love to get into that. That'd submit be so your cool.
1: questions through our website or uh, we will post our Google voice number there so that you can give us a call and leave your voicemail there too.
0: Oh yes. So I guess one last thing uh, I'll ask each of you to do is if you don't already ask Mary for your help, you know, try to just submit yourself and, and try to be humble and, and ask Mary for help and anything that you're struggling in life and you know, I know what works for me is when I'm having, when, when I'm having a temptation to do something sinful, uh, oftentimes I will turn to Mary. And, and, and I feel like after I do that, I, I no longer feel, uh, tempted. And so, you know, I just ask that if you don't do that already, at least try, just see what happens. And, uh, and you might find that you, uh, could start a new devotion to Mary. All right, everybody. We look forward to, uh, to hearing back from you on some of this feedback we were just talking about and uh, we can't wait for the next episode.
1: Have a good night, everybody. Enjoy your day. Cheers.